0: Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento, and man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it, so get ready to receive from God today. All right, we're jumping into the book of Mark, Mark chapter 6, verses 45. We're going to throw it up. Today is called Strength in the Storm. I really believe that God's going to speak to us, and you know why? It's because he promised he would. And you know what he gave us to speak to us through is his word. And we have a giant virtual Bible on either side of me that we're going to look at and read Mark chapter 6. This is right after Jesus performed the miracle of the multiplication of the bread and the fish. It was pretty amazing. 15,000 people were there, and they all got fed with five loaves and two fishes. And so we pick up the story right after that. Immediately... Somebody say immediately. Mark actually uses this word very often. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat. Jesus was forcing them in there. Have you ever tried to get your kids to get in the car? You just had to make them get in. You just had to You know sometimes it's actually easier when your kids are little to get into the car cuz you physically just grab them and just Jesus, I don't know, by that way that's written I'm just saying, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. You catch that? Most people don't walk on the sea. Most people, when you step into the liquid known as hydrogen, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, usually sink. But he walked onto the sea, kind of like, you know, just read that. It's like, oh, no big deal. No, he walked on the sea, just walked on out there, and he actually meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. I probably would be too. But immediately he spoke to them. Jesus spoke to the disciples and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And then he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves. They did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. I want to pray real quick for God's word to speak to us. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we just boldly ask that you would speak to us individually. Each one of us are going through a different thing in our life. Some of us are in great seasons of our life. Some of us are in rough seasons of our life. And I know you know each one of us in here, and I boldly ask that you would speak to our hearts and use me and let there be less of my words Less of what I want to communicate, but only what you want to communicate. And we just praise you for your presence here today. In Jesus' name, everybody said. I want to start with this phrase and uh, this principle that I believe to be true. It's this. It's that misunderstanding is the biggest roadblock to intimacy. Misunderstanding is the biggest roadblock to intimacy. What do I mean by that? I mean, some of you, a lot of you are married out here. And when you really understand your spouse, you feel so close to them. I'm so thankful because so often I'm just like, my wife gets me. You know what I'm saying? Like I, and, I, and I feel closer to her because she gets me. She understands me. And she does a way better job at understanding than I do of her. I'll just humbly admit that to you. And I'm working on it. But when I notice this, and, and I read this in the passage where it says they didn't understand and i believe this this principle holds true in scripture here and holds true in all of our lives is that a lot of reasons of the big reason i should say biggest roadblock to our intimacy with jesus is misunderstanding the reason we we find ourselves stuck in our faith the reason a lot of times our faith fails is because we do not understand what god is doing and so we make other conclusions. We have misunderstanding of what God is doing. So here's the, here's the truth. The disciples didn't understand. It said it right there. The disciples didn't understand, and they hardened their hearts. They were far from God. They hardened their hearts, and so they didn't feel close. They, that, that was the roadblock to intimacy with God. And here's the reality of, our, of everybody in this room is we will all go through situations that we will not understand. You could, you're already thinking of something right now where you're like, I know this situation and I didn't understand it. Or this situation I'm in right now, I'm looking at God and saying, I don't get it. I want to encourage you today that if you're in that season right now where you're looking at God and just saying, I don't get it, God. You're in the best place you can be. You're in an opportunity for a miracle because we see right here there is a miracle happening in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the hardship, in the middle of the struggle is when God shines the most. And here's the reality. When we come to that decision, when we come to that place where we do not understand what God is doing, we have this choice. Here's what it is. When you don't understand, when you don't understand, you choose to either fear The uncertainty or trust God's sovereignty. If you forget everything today, remember this because it's powerful. It's right in the scripture that I feel God helped me see it. Holy Spirit revealed that to me as I looked it right in there is that when you don't understand, you will either choose to fear. Man, I don't get it. What's going on? You're gonna have that fear that leads, pushes you away from God, or you're gonna have the trust that God's in control. Sovereignty, God's sovereignty, that means God is in control. We just sang that song, My God is still in control. And we when we face this opportunity, we don't understand. I can relate. You can relate. You're thinking of something right now and you're like, God, I don't get it. I want you to know that it's okay to not understand it all. The reality is we can't have the expectation to understand everything God's doing. Scripture even says his ways are above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. And that means sometimes we're just left in the dark. I know you don't want to hear that. I'd love to tell you that it's another way. But this is the truth is sometimes we just do not understand everything that God's doing. He's not even going to reveal it to us. But we're always called to trust in God's sovereignty and not fear the uncertainty. And I can think about times right now where I'm like, man, I want to fear the uncertainty. It's so much easier to fear the uncertainty. Where's my people? Where's my people at? That just love already. Where's my people at that love the roller coasters? Have no fear of the roller coaster. They see the go to the amusement park and they're just like, yes, that's me. No fear. I like it, I like it, I like it. Now where's the people that are like, uh-uh. Nope, I'm not getting on that thing. No way. All right, so I'm with the first group. This is a humble brag and this is a random brag, but it has a purpose. All right, follow me. I have never been afraid of a roller coaster in my life. Uh, some applause, maybe. Come on, no, I'm just joking. No, no, no. But so, so there's purpose with this, is that, and I and I can't tell you why I wasn't afraid at a young age. But as I've been thinking about it, and I've looked back at times, I'm like, why am I not afraid of rollercoaster? I just love them. I want the thrill of it. I want to, to 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 experience it. I've never said, man, I don't want to get on that thing. I'm always running to the line, trying to get up to the to to be able to be high enough to go on that ride. But I've never feared. The, the roller coaster, and what I've realized after, after thinking about it a little bit, the reason why I'm never afraid of being on a roller coaster is because of the track record. I think of the tens of thousands of people. I think, man, they've done their work, and maybe this is me putting trust in somewhere I probably shouldn't because I'm sure someone has died on that roller coaster I went on. I don't know. But I put my faith in the tens of thousands of people that have gotten on this roller coaster, and they're fine. I'm looking at these lines of people, and they're like, look, they're all doing it. I'll be all right. And if I can put my faith and have no fear in something that is man-made and has been around for maybe decades, how much more can we put our faith in a God that has a perfect track record for thousands of years? Are you you understanding? Yeah, we could get some amens up there. That That was pretty good, I think. How much more... Should we put our faith in something that has a track record, in a God that has the track record of never breaking a promise in thousands of years that he's in control? He's always been in control, and he's never going to stop being in control. See, we're going to be in this spot where we're going to say, man, it's so easy. I don't understand. It's so easy to fear the uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen in this situation. And You have the opportunity to trust that God's in control in the midst of that. You have the opportunity to embrace that truth. And when I look at this passage, I see a few things that that we fail at. And what I mean by that is we have a few things that we have misunderstanding. And I want to bring some truth to you. I want to bring some truth straight from the Word of God. And I believe the truth will do what? The truth will set you free. So I've really been praying this week, for freedom to happen in this place, for people who are going through storms, and I believe that's a lot of us, they say you're either coming out of a storm, you're about to go into one, or you're right now in the middle of one. And I believe today that, that this truth from the Word of God will set some people free here today, and that, that some people today are going to choose to trust in God's sovereignty, even though we don't understand, even though we're in the middle of a storm, but we're going to believe for God's sovereignty. And so when I look at this passage, I realize a few things. It's important to look at the context. So what just happened? The feeding of the 5,000, which did not include women and children. And that's why I said earlier that it was 15,000 that most scholars believe the number to be about. And after this, we kind of read that they wanted to make him king. And Jesus was like, whoa, 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 chillax. I don't just. And so there's 15,000 people there. He's like, I got to get out of this place this is, I'm putting the disciples on the boat, and I'm bouncing. And he went to his mountain to pray. And uh, this is a great sermon for another day. But how important is it to have our time with Jesus? How important, if, if Jesus thought it was important to get alone with his father, how much more should it be for ours to have that solitude and that time where we're saying, God, I need you. God, would you, would you pour out your spirit on my life? But he got alone with his father, and he made them go on the boat, And this is also where we see the story of Peter walking out on the water. Now, you all read that with me, and you noticed there was no account of Peter walking on the water. We we read in Matthew and John that in this story, Peter walked on the water, but Mark didn't include it. Now, people have their theories on why, but we realize that that Mark's informant, The person telling him what to write was Peter because Peter was there and he told Mark what to write. So either Peter was being humble or prideful because we know that that Peter walked out onto, onto the water to Jesus. He said, hey, call to me. Say my name. Call to me, Jesus, and I'll walk out to you. And he said, Peter, come. And he walked out and took the steps and then he looked out on the waves and then he fell into the water. So either Peter was being humble and saying, no, I don't want to brag about how I walked onto the water. Or he was being prideful. He's like, I don't want them to know that I sank in the water after a few steps. But either way, we know that this is also where Peter took the steps onto the water and really is a huge step. It was the only other person to walk on water. And I wanted to include that there. But that last verse, verse 52, is where I kind of want to focus in on. It was that they were utterly astounded. They saw that. And then what was their words? For they did not understand about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. And so that's where I'm pressing into right now is that I believe a lot of us are in the midst of a storm and we don't understand. And there's there's four un- misunderstandings I want to point out to you that I believe we have in the middle of a storm. And the number one thing is this. Misunderstanding, I have some misunderstanding and some facts for you. So misunderstanding number 1 is this is that we think following Jesus means you won't have any storms in your life, right? You're like, oh man, that sounds. Mis- I'm following Jesus, so man, that means he's gonna help me avoid all those storms in my life. But what do we read? Fact. Let's get the facts. Obedience to Jesus led the disciples straight into the storm. Like, they, if they didn't listen to Jesus, they may not even been in that storm. They might have been in a nice hotel, watching Netflix, eating some, some pizza. You know, they might have been nice and cozy if they didn't listen to Jesus. But because they were obedient to Jesus, this, is, this isn't fun to hear. That obedience to Jesus led them right into the storm. And I believe this is a misunderstanding. We screw up our theology right here. And I think a lot of us stop right here because, because we go to church. We say, man, I'm following Jesus. I'm going to church. And then we go home and then that day, our car breaks down. Psh. Shouldn't have gone to church, right? Why'd I go to church? See, I'm not, I'm not going to church no more. You read the Bible, and you get the flu, right? Like, you, I finally read my Bible. And then you, you get sick. It's like, psh. shouldn't have read my Bible. That's what I get. And so we conclude that, like, man, I, Jesus was supposed to protect me from the storms. Psh. You know, we we serve our neighbor and we twist our ankle. We go over and mow our lawn, mow the neighbor's lawn, or something. You twist your ankle, and you're like, Psh. I'm just gonna keep doing that. Because that's what I think some of our attitudes like. Psh. Shouldn't, have, shouldn't have served my neighbor. You know, we start giving, and then we we give financially. So I'm gonna take the step of obedience to Jesus, and I'm gonna start giving financially to the kingdom of God. And then we get in a fight with our spouse, like. Psh. Whoops, well, shouldn't have done that. And see, we make these conclusions about, about our theology based on our experience. And when we base our view of God, our theology, on our experience, we're going we're to be way off. We're going to end up finding ourselves in just what we want to hear. But often I read scripture and it's not what I want to hear. And that is a good thing. Because if I make my own theology, then I'm going to be far off from what really God intends But if I open up the word of God and have an open heart and say, God, what are you speaking to me? I'm going to realize, man, obedience actually led them right into the storms. And sometimes, I'm not saying every single time, but I'm saying right here in this instance, and I believe often, we're not going to be free from storms. But obedience to Jesus led the disciples right into the storm. And I want to tell you that following Jesus does not mean you're going to avoid all the storms. But God's sovereignty doesn't mean we're going to keep us comfortable some of us may have that understanding that following Jesus is supposed to steer us from the storms, but sometimes it leads you to it. But here's the thing. There's purpose in that storm. Did you see that? There's purpose in the midst of that storm. What if instead of jumping straight into fear when we recognize that we're in the midst of storm and we, when we recognize, psh, when we throw that in, what if instead of throwing the psh, what if we say, man, I'm going to trust in God's sovereignty, I'm not gonna fear the uncertainty because I still, even still, I love that song. My God is still in control. What if we recognize that despite the storms, he's still in control? Misunderstanding number two is this that I see. And I saw it kind of in the and this is assumed in the in the disciples, is that Jesus doesn't care about your storms in your life. Because here's what I picture. Could you imagine the disciples? They're just they're out there rowing and they're thinking. And Jesus, Jesus made us get in here. Like it says, Jesus made us get in here. Now we're out here. So it says that they were at the fourth watch, which means 3 a.m. So that means 3 a.m., fourth watch is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And so they got in there the evening. So all night, maybe six hours, they were rowing across the Sea of Galilee. And they were making headway painfully, it says. The winds were against him. So they may not have been in danger, but they were miserable. They were cold and wet. And you know when you get cold and you're also, when you, when you get wet and then the wind's blowing? Like that's just, then you're just freezing cold. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? Like you get out of the pool and then the wind's blowing and you're just like, give me a towel. But they didn't have a towel. They were out there, blow, cold, wet, and it was windy. And they were, so they were miserable, just struggling. They were exhausted. They were tired. They were scared. And they were thinking, Jesus doesn't care about this storm. Jesus sent us out here. Where is is Jesus at? But the fact is that Jesus saw their struggle in the storm. You know, Jesus was praying. He was praying for his disciples. He was praying and he was allowing them to go into the storm because he saw there was purpose in the storm. He was allowing them to go into the storm. And it says in verse 48, he saw that they were making headway painfully. See, Jesus, Jesus sees you. You know, sometimes, like I was talking about with my wife, sometimes we just got to tell each other, hey, I see you. So, you know, I, my wife sometimes will tell me this, and it, and it means so much. Like, I'll get up early to take care of the kids, even though I got to do something later that day. And she says, hey, I recognize that you did that. There's this understanding. She says, hey, I see you. And that means that, that just fills, fills my, my heart with joy, and it draws me closer to her. See Jesus sees you in the midst of your struggle. He's saying, "Hey, I see the pain that you're going through." And sometimes we conclude that he doesn't care. But Jesus sees you and he knows every pain that you're going through. Some of you are saying God doesn't care. Where are you at? But when we fail to see the faith, when we fail when we fail to have faith, when we fear instead of having faith, we miss Jesus in the midst of it. But when we have faith, check this out. When we have faith that Jesus sees your struggle, when we know, when we know that fact that Jesus sees you, that he knows that he's still in control. When we have that faith in his sovereignty, then we will recognize him when he comes to us. Because right after that what happened, Jesus walked out to them. And I and they were fearful. Now given I'm not going to say I would have a different response, but they were fearful of what they saw. They thought it was a ghost. But I believe that this this misunderstanding right here is next. Is that Jesus is nowhere to be found. Not only does he not care, but Jesus is nowhere to be found in the midst of our storm. See, they saw Jesus, but they didn't recognize Jesus. But I believe, here's the fact, that Jesus came to them and calmed the storm. See, when you're fearing the uncertainty, you won't recognize God's presence in your life. But when you have faith that God's in control... You're going you're to notice when God's there. You're going to have faith that Jesus is with you in the midst of the storm, that he's coming to you and he's calming the storm. When we have faith that God's in control, we will recognize him. See, here's the thing. I wrote this down too, is that when you're focused, when you're focused on fear, you'll ignore Jesus' presence in your life. He you could be standing right next to you and you're like, no, that's something else. That's a ghost. That's something scary. I'm focused on fear I'm fearful right now. I'm fearful of the uncertainty because it is scary, man, when you don't know what the doctor is going to come back with as a report, man, when you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, when you don't know what your spouse is going to say to you, when you don't know if your kids are going to respond and follow Jesus th- with their life or make good decisions, man, that is scary. That uncertainty is naturally scary. And so I want to let you know that that's, that's, a, that's a common reaction but we have the choice to take that fear and put it in the, fi- the presence of God. We have the ch- choice to take that fear and change it into trust in God's sovereignty and put it into faith in God's sovereignty and say, you know, I, even though I do not understand, even though I don't know what this bill of health is going to come back in or how this bill is going to be paid or my kids are going to do or who's going to fix the car or where I'm going to live. These uncertainties in our life will happen, but we always have the choice to choose fear or faith. And the last thing that we recognize as we're looking at this, the last thing we recognize as we're looking at it is is that we see, man, fear or faith. Is that storm, the misunderstanding number four, is that storms are Jesus' way of punishing you. Some of us have come to this misunderstanding. We base our theology off our experience. And we say, man, I'm in the midst of this. Like I was saying, like, go to church, car breaks down. You know, when we come to that conclusion, God must be punishing me. And I wonder if the disciples were thinking that in the midst of their, their storm. Man, Jesus is just punishing me. He doesn't care. He's not here. You're supposed to help me avoid this. All misunderstanding. But Jesus is just, man, Jesus is just punishing me. If the keys will come back, I want to look at this fact. It's that Peter grew in his faith because of the storm. See, we, see, this is where we miss it. If we have the understanding that, man, God's just punishing me and woe is me and I'm fearful of the uncertainty, we're going to miss the opportunity that God has for us. We're going to miss this crazy big opportunity. When a storm comes your way, I want to let you know that it is the greatest opportunity for a miracle to happen in your life. If there wasn't a storm, Peter never would have walked on water. That is arguably the greatest feat in faith recorded in scripture. The only other person besides Jesus to walk on water is Peter, and it happened why? Did it happen when he was chilling in his room? Did it happen when he was nice and comfy? No, it happened in the discomfort. It happened in the midst of the storm. And I believe this, we can, we can look at storms as an inconvenience. We can look at these, inco, these, these situations that are uncomfortable as a way of saying, man, God must, must be punishing me. Or we can look at it as an opportunity to grow in our faith. We can look at it as an opportunity for God to do a miracle. Because here's what Scripture says, and Paul wrote this. And I believe it's for some of us. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This is God speaking to Paul. For my power is made perfect in your strength. Oh wait, did I read that? Did I read that right? That that my power is made perfect when everything's nice and comfortable? My power is made perfect when you have everything Lined up in your life when your life is all together. My my power is made perfect in you when you're not stressed out. That says, Hey, my power is made perfect for you when all your bills are paid. My power is made per my my power is made perfect in in, in, when when all your kids are, are, are doing what they're supposed to No, he says, Therefore, I will boast all more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It is in the midst of our storms. It is in the midst of our hardship. It is in the midst of the hard situations that Jesus is actually able to show up. Because if the the disciples never went out onto that boat, they never would have had the opportunity to see Jesus walk on water and never would have had the opportunity to take a step of faith and say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you in the midst of this storm. I read something really interesting. I heard something really interesting this week that I didn't know about. I've never been there. But in New Zealand, there are birds that do not fly. They're called flightless birds. And it's really interesting. You could run up to them, like they're just on the ground. They can walk. You could run up to them and they'll just run away. They won't fly away. Like you expect, you know, you see a bunch of pigeons, it's fun as a kid, just going around, or as an adult, to run up and just scare them. And you run up to these birds and they just run away. They don't fly away. It's no fun. And you can Google this, flightless birds in New Zealand. And what most people have concluded is that the reason they are flightless is because they do not have any predators on the island of New Zealand. They don't have any opposition. They don't have any reason to, to fly because no one's going to hurt them. They're like, so, so they, they flew at one time, but their, their, their parents told their kids. I don't know how they did that. I, I, I don't know how birds speak to each other, but they told them. They're like, hey, son, I know you got these wings. Don't worry about them. You don't have to use them. Like, so I just, I just walk. It's like, yeah, son, that's all you got to do is play nice and easy is is pretty chill here in new zealand we got a nice and so you run up to these birds and they do not they don't know how to fly because they've never been forced to fly and as i was hearing that i thought of this passage and i thought of peter peter never would have walked on water if he was never in the storm and i'm wondering if there's people here today that are wondering why we're in the middle of a storm and i wonder if we could come to the conclusion i wonder if god is speaking to you That if it wasn't for the storm, you're never going to grow in your faith. That some of us are still walking when we're called to fly, when we're called to soar, when we're called to use these God-given things to step out and and use for their purpose, that we're we're called to walk into the purpose that God has for us. And some of us are thinking, man, why is this opposition? God, why is this hardship? Why is this weakness? Man, I, I feel uncomfortable. This is not okay. But what if the purpose of that storm is to teach you to fly? What if that purpose of that storm, of your discomfort, the purpose of your storm is for God's strength to be made perfect in your weakness? I believe I'm speaking to somebody today that is right now in the midst of the storm and you're saying, man, I'm fearing the uncertainty because it's scary. And I'm speaking to someone who just needs to trust in God's sovereignty today. Would you bow your head across this place? Bow your heads all across this place. And I I wanna just give you an opportunity to respond. Some of us are here and this is a critical time for us. God, place this word on my heart. It's an opportunity for you to either grow in your faith It's a potential for you to be pushed away from God. But it's how we respond to that. Some of us are in the middle of a storm, and even though we don't see it, we need to trust that God's in control. Some of us in the middle of our storm, Jesus is saying to you right now, he's saying, are you going to trust me? Do you really believe that I'm in control, or are you just going to fear the uncertainty? I want to ask with every head bowed, if you're just just in this place, and you want to say, Jesus, I trust you, and that you need to say, I'm going to trust you're in control, God, because I'm in the middle of the storm, and I need to trust you, God. I just want you to boldly, on the count of three, raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. One, two, three. Say, yes, that's me. I need to trust in your sovereignty. You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. Hands going across this place, and I want to give another second Opportunity for some people in this place that need to receive Jesus as their savior. You don't know him personally I want to give you that opportunity to say you can come into a relationship with Jesus today that he died for your sin So you could spend eternity with him and you could spend this moment with him that you can have fellowship with God And so if you're here and say yes, I feel distant from Jesus I want a relationship with Jesus today and you want to receive Him as your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity to receive Him. Would you just boldly, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. You can put it up. Thank you so much. And put it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Would we all stand to our feet across this place? We're going to sing this song, and I'm, I'm actually going to call you to respond in a powerful way. And I want, But before we do that, I just want us to pray this prayer. Would you pray this out loud? Would you say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life and make me new i give you my sin i give you my fear and i trust that you're in control and i praise you god in jesus name amen amen can we praise god one minute can we just say god you're in control can we say it is well with my soul even in the middle of the storm let's sing this out would you raise your hands this word encouraged you today If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.